Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Happy to be back with you again and uh, hope you're enjoying these programs. The focus of today's show is going to be on several clarinet players. I've been doing this series uh, intermittently of hot clarinets and hot trumpets. Hot clarinets of Chicago was the first one. I did hot clarinets of New York. I did hot trumpets. I did hot trumpets of New Orleans. And this is going to be hot clarinets of New Orleans. And the sort of unifying factor of, of these uh, choices of, of uh, musicians, there certainly are a lot of choices to be made, is that I wanted to have these instruments, clarinet and trumpet, and possibly a trombone one in the works, uh, be the only horn with a rhythm section. And in a typical New Orleans-style band or Dixieland band, you usually had more than one horn, at least two, if not three or four. Uh, and uh, clarinet players were not very often given the chance to make solo recordings, but there are a few out there, and we're going to be examining some of those today and getting a sense of the style of some of these players. I've also chosen to sort of lean on the New Orleans players who stayed in New Orleans, who didn't leave town to go north to play in big-name bands and things like that. These were uh, homebody players for the most part. Our first uh, contestant here is probably the best-known of all the players we're going to be hearing today, George Lewis. And George Lewis was born in 1900 in New Orleans, making him one of the generation of clarinet players uh, who probably would have gone to the north to play in other bands if he had had uh, reading ability. But he was not a reader. He didn't read music. So he never left town. He had a job as a stevedore. He had uh, some family uh, to take care of. So he stayed in New Orleans for pretty much his whole life until the 1950s when he became very well known in the traditional jazz revival and started touring all over the world, in fact. He uh, had started playing clarinet. He actually started playing penny whistle, I think, in his youth, and then picked up clarinet by the late 1910s. He played in a number of bands in the 1920s. None of them were really top-ranking bands in New Orleans. He wasn't considered one of the, the big names in the city at the time. Uh, during the 1930s and the Depression, he didn't play much at all. Just very occasional dance jobs. As I said, he worked as a stevedore. And he was rediscovered in the 1940s uh, when Bunk Johnson was brought to the attention of the jazz-loving public. And uh, he was sort of put in front of a New Orleans band that included George Lewis and Jim Robinson, people like that. And uh, Bunk was not very happy about that because he felt that the players that they surrounded him with were not of his quality. And he may have been right if, if the band had been put together 20 years earlier, but Bunk was pretty well past his prime at the time. Um, and after a while, he got tired of it and left and uh, took on uh, musicians in New York and on the West Coast to make his recordings with him. Uh, George Lewis, on the other hand, kept the band together and uh, replaced Bunk Johnson with Avery Howard, and that became the George Lewis ragtime uh, band, or had many different names over the years, but that uh, kept touring until Lewis died in the late 60s, and uh, he became extremely well-known. He was a very good band leader, a uh, very solid player within the style that he did, and uh, he was uh, very well-respected within the traditional jazz community. We're going to hear uh, a couple of tunes from, actually three tunes, from a session that he did in 1953 in New Orleans. This was from September 25th, 1953, and it features him with a quartet, the George Lewis Quartet, in fact. It was recorded for Riverside and um, came out, I think, on a 10-inch LP. It's George Lewis backed by Alton Purnell on piano. He sings a little bit. I don't think he sings on any of the three tunes we're going to be listening to, though. Lawrence Marrero on banjo, Alcides Slowdrag Pavageau on bass, and uh, 
we're not going to hear him on any of the tracks we listen to, but Dr. Edmund Sushan takes a vocal on one of the sides. So we're going to hear three tunes. We're going to hear uh, Lewis's own composition, the St. Philip Street Breakdown, which was a, uh, a series of blues strains that he put together and uh, that uh, he featured himself on uh, with the full band as well. Then we're going to hear the traditional blues tune, Careless Love, and we're going to finish up with the oldest tune of the uh, three, Red Wing by Kerry Mills, going back to the turn of the century. This was kind of a, wasn't even a ragtime tune, it was more like a folk tune uh, that uh, only had uh, two very elemental strains, and uh, the, the band kind of takes fire doing that. So that'll be our George Lewis segment of the program. Then we're going to go to a much less known, lesser known clarinet player, a man named Steve Angram. He was another African-American player who was born about the same time. He came to New Orleans... Uh, a little bit later, he was born outside of uh, uh, the city, somewhere, uh, I think, in Raceland, Louisiana. And he started playing with some various groups in the 19, late 1910s and 20s. He was greatly influenced by Johnny Dodds. Uh, he spent most of the 30s playing casual dance jobs, and then pretty much in the 40s and 50s just did marching band work. Um, he was brought into the recording studio only once. And I say recording studio, that's kind of a, a grandiose way of saying that he w had a microphone stuck in front of him a couple of times uh, during his very last days. Um, there's a CD out on American music that collects all of Steve Angram's recordings, and they're all from uh, pretty much the summer of 1961, and he died in the fall of 1961 very suddenly, but at least he did get a chance to make some recordings. So we're going to hear a duo recording on the St. Louis Blues that he did with the banjo player, Creole George Guénon, uh, that was recorded, I think, at uh, uh, Guénon's home on uh, North Roman Street street in New Orleans, according to the notes anyway. So those will be our three, our four tunes on this set. We're going to hear um, St. Philip Street Breakdown, Careless Love and Red Wing by the George Lewis Quartet, and then St. Louis Blues by Steve Angram and George Genome. <laughs>
So there we have uh, some very traditional New Orleans jazz from two different African-American clarinet players. We ended up with Steve Angram, not a well-known player at all, very... Uh, thinly recorded. Uh, as I said, these were his only recording dates, came at the very end of his life, uh, and uh, did a couple of things with a band and a few things with a duo or a trio. And the duo we heard was St. Louis Blues, done in 1961, Steve Angram and George Guinon on banjo. Before that, we heard the much better known George Lewis, uh, recording with his quartet, um, and that quartet included Alton Purnell on piano, Lawrence Marrero on banjo, and Slow Drag Pavajo on bass. No drums on that, but the rhythmic uh, propulsion of the bass and, and, and banjo especially made up for that to the point where you might have thought you heard drums on there. I did initially the first time I heard that, but uh, it's just the rhythmic... Uh, push of all the other players. And we heard the blues uh, tune, or the blues medley, I guess, St. Philip Street Breakdown, followed by Careless Love, and then Red Wing. So now we're going to go to some different clarinet players, two different clarinet players. These were white musicians who were active in what was called, I guess, the Dixieland style at the time. These were musicians who were born about the same time as Steve Angram and George Lewis, but naturally because of segregation, they didn't play together. Um, there was a certain amount of racial mixing by the 1950s. It wasn't terribly common. The black and white musicians could record together, um, but it was difficult to play in New Orleans, which was a very conservative southern city at the time. Sometimes they would do tours uh, to other parts of the country and play in mixed bands, but uh, it, it was the exception rather than the rule until at least the 1970s and 80s. So the two clarinet players we're going to hear are Raymond Burke and Harry Shields. Now, Harry Shields was the brother of Larry Shields, who was the clarinet player who made the recordings with the original Dixieland Jazz Band. And to the end of his life, Harry always said that Larry was his favorite clarinet player and his biggest influence. But if you listen to the recordings, I think we have to come to the conclusion that Harry outpaced Larry a good deal in the clarinet playing department. He was a really fine uh clarinet technician. He didn't really read too much. He didn't play in reading bands, but he had a marvelous sound and a very, very good technique and an outstanding sense of harmony. Unfortunately, he didn't record, as far as I know, in a trio or quartet. Uh, we're going to hear two recordings that he did with Raymond Burke, the other clarinet player with a rhythm section, so a little bit different. Raymond Burke was a clarinet player who was born in 1902, I think it was, or 1904 in New Orleans. Uh, he was a very unusual fellow, kind of eccentric. If you know Pee Wee Russell's playing in the Chicago style, uh, it has some similarities to Raymond Burke's. Uh, Burke did not do anything conventionally. He didn't play in bands conventionally. He uh, didn't play conventional clarinet parts. He got a very unconventional sound. Uh, he ran kind of a uh, a junk shop uh, come antique store uh, for most of his life and that's how he made some sort of a living when he wasn't playing music uh, and he lived to 1986 he lived to a great old age he played with a lot of bands especially in his later years and he was generally known as one of the few white musicians in New Orleans who really was completely colorblind. He didn't care who he played with. He played with African-American musicians even back uh, in the days of segregation. And for a while, he toured with one of the Preservation Hall jazz bands, in which he was probably one of the only white players. 
So we're going to hear a session made for Southland Records, one of the uh, great recording labels in New Orleans during the 40s, 50s, 60s, run by Joe Marez, Paul Marez's brother. Paul Marez was the trumpet player, cornet player in the New Orleans Rhythm Kings in the 1920s, and Joe Marez was not a performing musician, but he was a, a, a devotee, and he recorded many, many, many great New Orleans musicians and a lot of interesting combinations. This one is called The Doc and His Patience. The Doc and his patients. And the Doc in this case is Dr. Edmund Souchon. And Dr. Edmund Souchon was a banjo guitar player. He was a singer, kind of a raconteur, and he was a, a, a big enthusiast for African-American and white jazz in New Orleans. And so this is sort of his date. He sings a bit on some of the tracks. We're not going to hear that. But he features Raymond Burke and Harry Shields on clarinet. Jeanette Kimball, who was... Um, a, uh, an African-American piano player. She plays piano and, and uh, she does not sing on this one, but um, she sang as well. Johnny St. Cyr, uh, the banjo and guitar player on the Louis Armstrong Hot 5 and 7 recordings back in the 1920s, as well as the Jelly Roll Morton Red Hot Peppers, is on guitar. He'd returned to New Orleans at this point. Uh, Danny Barker is on guitar as well, and he'll be uh, playing on a couple of these numbers in background, although I think it's Johnny St. Cyr for the most part who's going to be doing the solos that we hear. Sherwood Manjapan plays string bass. If there's a tuba, it's Chink Martin, Abraham Martin, who was another white player, he and Manjapan. Monk Hazel was a uh, one of the favorite drummers of the white bands at the time. And singing on the second number we're going to hear is Blue Lou Barker, who was Danny Barker's wife. They had had a, a popular act uh, in, in the North before returning to New Orleans and uh, made quite a number of recordings as well. We're going to hear two tunes from this session. We're going to hear Rose Room and I Wish I Could sim Shimmy Like My Sister Kate. After that, we're going to go strictly to Raymond Burke, and we're going to hear a couple of tunes that were recorded uh, earlier than the jazz revival. These were done on portable recording devices in New Orleans, and they are both going to capture Raymond Burke kind of at the height of his powers in 1945, being accompanied by a piano player I don't really know anything about. His name was Woodrow Roussel, and they together are going to play Body and Soul, a tune not really associated with New Orleans traditional jazz, but shows Burke's, uh, shall we say, Catholicity of repertoire. He was known as uh, an exhumer of tunes. He had some kind of an eidetic memory for songs from all different uh, Tin Pan Alley ages and jazz ages and things like that. I forgot to mention, before uh, Body and Soul, we're going to hear Burke play a version of the Savoy Blues, the uh, Kid Ori tune that was recorded by the Louis Armstrong Hot Five. And that band uh, recorded in 1949, in May of 1949, and consisted of Raymond Burke with Louis Gallo on piano, Johnny St. Cyr, again on guitar, Austin Skin Young on bass, and Bob Matthews on drums. So we'll have Savoy Blues followed by Body and Soul. And then two later recordings by Raymond Burke, uh, the Raymond Burke Trio, uh, featuring Butch Thompson on piano. Butch Thompson was a very, is a very fine piano player who was known as the music director for Garrison Keillor's radio show, The Prairie Home Companion, for many years. And Sae Frazier, Josiah Frazier on drums, who had been with the Preservation Hall Jazz Band for many years. And that was from 1979. And the two tunes we're going to hear uh, from that group are Sweet Little You and Dirty Rag, and I'll tell you about those tunes when we get to the other end of the set. So those are our tunes. Rose Room, Sister Kate, Savoy Blues, Body and Soul, Sweet Little You, and the Dirty Rag. <laughs>
all the boys treat Kate so nice. So nice. Everybody in the neighborhood knows the shimmies and it's understood. I knew I'm late, but I'm up to date when I could shimmy like my sister. Shimmy like my sister. Shimmy like my sister. Kate. Oh, shimmy. Shimmy like my sister.
So that was Raymond Burke at his best. We started out with the uh, duo, Raymond Burke and Harry Shields, both clarinets with very distinctive styles, almost exact contemporaries. Um, they came up playing in similar bands. Harry Shields played a little bit more uh, at a higher level of professionalism, I guess. Raymond Burke was more of a casual musician for a good part of his career until he was rediscovered in the late 40s and early 50s. Um, we heard them play with Doc and his patients, Doc Sushan, and we heard Rose Room, followed by uh, Sister Kate. And in both cases, Raymond Burke took the first clarinet solo and Harry Shields the second. We heard some tuba on there by Chink Martin on the first one. Uh, Blue Lou Barker sang the vocal on Sister Kate. Heard some very good piano by Jeanette Kimball, who had been married to, uh, to uh, banjo player Narvin Kimball. She was uh, active in the 1920s playing with the... Uh, um, Oscar Celestin, Papa Celestin's jazz band, and then she left music for a while in the 1930s to raise her kids. So following that, we went to uh, a couple of those uh, air checks or, or casual recordings. We heard the Savoy Blues, Ray Burke's Speakeasy Boys from 1949. I had mentioned the whole rhythm section. That, in fact, was really just uh, Raymond Burke and... Um, uh, the uh, guitar player, Johnny St. Cyr. It was really just the two of them for most of that performance. And then we heard Body and Soul, Ray Burke and Woodrow Roussel uh, on piano from 1945 in New Orleans. And Burke played a couple of interesting quotes in there. He, he didn't seem to me to be given to quotes, uh, all the other recordings I've heard of his, but he put a little pomp and circumstance and a little of Debussy's reverie in there as well. They fit. Why not? Then we finished up with two tunes from 1979 with Butch Thompson on piano and Saeed Frazier on drums. We heard Sweet Little You, which was a pop tune I'm not familiar with. I think it was from the 1910s or the very early 1920s. And The Dirty Rag. The Dirty Rag was a, a jazz tune that had been recorded by Norman Brownlee's orchestra. And uh, that's on a podcast that I did uh, some time ago about the... Uh, the uh, remote recording uh, uh, studios setting up in New Orleans in 1924 and 1927. So if you go back and look at New Orleans 1927, I think it was, uh, you'll hear Brownlee's Orchestra. Make that 1924. I think it was that early side. And in that band at the time was Harry Shields, not playing clarinet, but either baritone or bass sax, interestingly enough. So we're going to keep going. We have one more set, and I'm going to feature on the last three tunes uh, a different clarinet player, but I am going to play one more Raymond Burke tune that I had almost forgotten about. This was a, a session that he did, uh, I believe, in Chicago. He was in Chicago doing something. I don't know uh, what. He must have been touring with perhaps the Preservation Hall band. He uh, did not leave New Orleans very much at all. It was estimated that he maybe spent 10 weeks of his entire 84 years uh, outside of the bounds of New Orleans. But for some reason he was in Chicago in 1968 and he recorded in a trio with the Chicago pianist Art Hodes and the New Orleans bassist Pops Foster and they recorded uh, about six tunes. We're going to hear one of them right now. We're going to hear Indiana and this was recorded for the Delmark label, an interesting Chicago label that uh, brought out not only traditional jazz but some very um, avant-garde jazz as well. Then we're going to jump to our last clarinet player of the day, a man named Louis Cottrell. Louis Cottrell Jr., in fact, because Louis Cottrell Sr. was one of the most legendary New Orleans drummers of the 1920s. He played with Armand Perron's band and many other groups, uh, recorded quite a bit with Perron, uh, and he died quite young. He had a heart attack, uh, I think, when Louis Jr. was only about 12 or 13 years old uh, and had just started taking up clarinet. But Jr. became a very 
prominent clarinetist on the New Orleans scene. He actually had spent some time in Texas uh, recording and playing with Don Albert's band uh, in, I think, San Antonio or Dallas, I think it was where they were. And uh, he uh, was with them for a number of years, uh, sitting in the section with Herbert Hall, another New Orleans clarinet and saxophone player. But he came back to New Orleans in the 40s. He, uh, I think he served in the uh, Navy for a while, or, or one of the branches of the service, and ended up back in New Orleans playing a lot of uh, general business and dance gigs. He played saxophones as well. But by the 1960s, he was emerging as one of the most busy clarinetists on the scene. He actually also became the president of the Musicians Union. I think he was um, in part responsible for merging the black and the white locals for uh, the Musicians Union in New Orleans. And uh, he was a, a force on the New Orleans music scene, and he lived into the, I think, into the 1980s. He recorded quite a lot with uh, the Heritage Hall Jazz Band, which was his group, and many other groups as well. So we're going to hear him, Louis Cottrell, in a trio uh, that recorded for uh, Riverside uh, in 19, when did that record? 1961, and we're going to hear two tunes from that session. We're going to hear Runnin' Wild and the Yellow Dog Blues, and this will feature Louis Cottrell on clarinet, Emmanuel Sales on banjo and guitar, mostly guitar, I think, and McNeil Bro on bass. Bro was one of the New Orleans bros. Wellman Bro, of course, was the bass player with Duke Ellington, and I think um, Don Vappi, the banjo player, is from that family, and I think uh, Plaz Johnson, the saxophone player who recorded the Pink Panther theme, is from that family as well. Then we're going to finish up with a uh, somewhat later tune from 1976, later recording, I should say. Uh, it was The Girl of My Dreams, which was a Sonny Clap tune that was written as a waltz. And here, uh, the uh, Louis Cottrell Quintet is going to play this, first as a waltz, then as an up-tempo number. Louis Cottrell on clarinet, Bob Barton on piano, Les Musket on guitar, Placidia Adams on bass, and Andrew Hall on drums. And this comes from an album called The Clarinet Legends on GHB, again, from 1976. So, those will be our tunes. Indiana with Raymond Burke, and then with Louis Cottrell, Running Wild, Yellow Dog Blues, and Girl of My Dreams.
clarinets, hot clarinets of New Orleans. We finished up with uh, Ray Burke playing with the Art Hodes Trio with um, Pops Foster in 1968 for Delmark Records doing Indiana, a little bit more forthright playing from Raymond Burke than we'd heard on those earlier sides. And then we finished up with Louis Cottrell, a very accomplished clarinet player, a very fine musician, uh, doing some trio recordings, first of all with... Um, uh, Emmanuel Sales and uh, McNeil Bro from 1961. We heard Runnin' Wild and Yellow Dog Blues and then finished up with a 1976 recording of Girl of My Dreams featuring Cottrell with Bob Barton on piano, Les Musket on guitar, Placidy Adams on bass, and Andrew Hall on drums. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. I uh, have enjoyed exhuming some of these recordings I hadn't heard in a long time. It's good to get a, a clear picture of uh, these instrumentalists, clarence trumpets, and as I said, I have a trombone one in the works too, unencumbered by other instruments in the front line. You really get to hear their sound and their approach. So you've been listening to the Jazz Focus. We are here broadcasting on Anchor.fm. You might be listening on Spotify or Apple or one of the other fine platforms that carries the Jazz Focus. I do hope that you consider sponsoring us. We are looking for some more members of the family to uh, help us keep this program going and keep uh, encouraged to do these jazz shows. I'm having a lot of fun doing them, and uh, we're hoping to do them quite a few more in the future. And if you'd like to... Uh, Reach out and contact me with ideas for future shows or comments. Uh, you can check me out on social media, my band name. I have the Wolverine Jazz Band. So we have WolverineJazzBand.com, WolverineJazzBand.net, and the Wolverine Jazz Band on Facebook and Instagram. So send me an email. Let me know how you like the programs. So with that, I think we're finished. So thank you very much again, the Jazz Focus, John Clark, and I'll see you on the other side.